On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh, Yeah, good morning and welcome to Hunters Post Mortem on this Monday, the 14th of August. Great to have you tuned in uh, to Sky Sports Radio right around New South Wales and the ACT. If you've been listening to the Big Sports Breakfast this morning, welcome back to official programming. Or if you're just joining us for the first time, hello to you. Our panel today, Ron Doversy, Chris Roots and David Gately will be joining Two of those gentlemen very, very soon when they make connection. One gent, though, who is locked and loaded is Duff, and we will be chatting uh, to him about uh, what the Rosebud meeting delivered at Rose Hill, plus other races around, the trials which have been in full swing, and I guess the week ahead in New South Wales. We have uh, Group 1 racing on Saturday. The Wink Stakes will have, obviously, nominations filter through Later today, around that 11 o'clock mark, or just a little bit after, no doubt the tab will have a market then, an all-in market in place, and then acceptances for that Group 1 racing Wednesday morning between that 9, 10 o'clock mark. We'll find out who is going that way. We sort of already know a little bit of uh, the field and and the likely field with what trainers have told us and uh, what we've heard via interviews on Sky Thoroughbred Central throughout the last couple of weeks, but it will be fascinating to see if there's any little X-Factor horses which pop up in that Group 1. What about the undercard too, Saturday? The Silver Shadow Stakes, we get to see uh, the Show County. Uh, we also have the uh, the Toy Show, uh, the Premier's Cup as well. So really good racing when it comes to Ramwick on Saturday. And for Saturday as well, we've got to Caulfield Racing where we will see the sprinters uh, in the vein, the Quisette. Uh, so we get to see what is south of the border and what is flying in that part of the world and what is setting themselves up for some campaigns. So it is uh, definitely a time where we're not officially in spring, but boy, oh boy, it is right on our doorstep. Racing today in New South Wales, we're on the Beaumont uh, at Newcastle and also at Goulburn. So we'll have a full preview of those two meetings after 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, and that will be the official start of Racing HQ on this Monday. Ron Doversy is joining us uh, to get involved with the program. Duff, hello to you, mate. How was your Saturday at Rose Hill? Yeah, it was a fantastic uh, day, uh, Dave. It was a uh, well, a really good entree of what, what's to come, really. Um, we had some lovely horses win and some were beaten, beaten on Saturday. And just looking at this makeup of this race on Saturday of the Wink Stakes, it's going to be... Uh, full steam ahead. We've, but this rain has come at the right time of week. We had about 15 mils last night, so maybe a little more today and a little more tomorrow, and then clear air into Saturday should make it a good track and, and an exciting day's racing. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, we've got uh, joining us David Gately. Gator, hello to you, mate. Um, obviously, we had uh, some great racing on uh, the Saturday just gone, both at the Valley, both also at Rose Hill, and for that fact uh, as well in Queensland, and looking forward to seeing how this week unfolds. Yeah, indeed. Uh, good morning to you and the, and the team and the listeners. Um, yeah, look, the Valley was pretty pops, I'm not going to lie to you. There were a couple of promising horses, and Good to see floating artists back. Um, I think recommendations a nice horse, uh, so Maximilius. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty low benchmark sort of day. Terrific racing in Sydney though. Um, you know, really sprinkled with some class, wasn't it? So bring on Saturday. I've seen the some of the noms. So uh, yeah, it's, it's time to uh, accelerate. 
It certainly is. Uh, Chris Roots joining us as well. Uh, when it comes to this weekend, this um, this wing stakes, 1,400 metres, we're going to have a likely feel, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, Chris, but are you hearing anything uh, in the news world, mate, as to how any X-Factor horses which might line up on Saturday? I think it's been pretty clear. Good morning, guys, and great weekend in racing. But it's been pretty clear for a while that Chris Waller's going to have a strong hand seven. I think Dan Girl and Lindemann's been well backed off its two trials. We get to see Hugh Bowman and um, Brendan Abdullah back in Sydney. They're going to come out and ride ride one one each in the race. So we're going to have a we're going to have a great equines and a great jockey talent there as well. I saw Trav Noonan put a tweet out, Duffs, of a likely field which I'm sure a lot of people have seen uh, across social media. So Think It Over, who continues to be backed. I keep seeing bets for Think It Over in the all-in market with the tab. Um, he will be lining up in the Wink Stakes is the likely field. Think It Over, Moanga, Arapaho, Francesco Guardi, Lindemann, Ozapenko, Major Beal, Golden Mile, Fangirl, Hinged, Montefilia, Princess Grace and Going Global. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing, that field, to have it up and running so early, um, as they should for a race like this. But um, it's going to be a great contest. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, full steam ahead. A couple of interesting runners, if they do line up. That that Princess Grace is a really interesting horse, isn't it, Duff? I mean, this is the horse that obviously is trained by a Chris Wallop. Chris uh, Roots just mentioned then that... Obviously, Chris is going to have a, a a strong hand, but has had the two trials. And this is the mare that's out of the Japanese side, who we saw just win that Hawkesbury crown, but she's got that touch of class. Of course, she was over there in America. I like her a lot. I think she's one of my horses for the for the spring. Um, whether it's, not, it's going to be on Saturday, I doubt. Um, it just She's just a mare that... Well, I know she's a seven-year-old, but she's got performance on the board. She's just had those little two runs in... In Australia, where she was a winner, um, I think Chris would probably eye off a race like you know that invitation with her. Uh, that looks pretty a, a lovely target. We know Chris loves to target races, or maybe the Empire Rose in Melbourne um, later in the spring. So I look just trying to read the play. Obviously, um, we've got all a lot of Chris's big guns in this race, but uh, Princess Grace one solid trial, one very soft trial the other day where she tailed off. But the two he's serious about, I'd suggest, are Lindemann and Fangirl because they both had the two trials and then they had their track gallop there on Saturday uh, to sharpen them up even further. So the, the, the play is, I'd suggest, that Fangirl, Lindemann, pretty wound up for this race on Saturday, just, just trying to read what he's doing. It'd be fascinating to see um, what the all-in market is um, for that uh, Wink Stakes. Uh, when we obviously we have a prenoms market where Fangirl's three fifty favourite and Lindemann six dollars, Think It Over at six dollars. As I said, uh, the continued support of Think It Over after that barrier trial and a few interviews with Kerry Parker and Nash Willer, it's been fifteen into a six dollar price. Mawanga's at eight dollars uh, in that uh, prenoms market. Golden Mile is eleven. Ozapenko eleven. A communist uh, we see uh, for Michael Friedman at fifteen dollars. Goldman at fifteen. Hinged at 15, Montefilia 15, Cascadian 26, uh, and bigger the rest. So that's all to unfold over the next couple of days. What about Saturday, Duff? Let's get an opinion on all of you, from all of you, about the Rosebud. Uh, Tis Invincible, of course, for James McDonald. He had to push out, didn't he? But she's got a lot of classes, Philly. I mean, that's her third start. Her first start was in a Group 3 Black Opal where she pretty much uh, went via, well, she, she went via the Cape. The Percy Sykes run was good, and then 
for a filly like that to push out and, and didn't burn away with it, did she, Duff? But she just very tradesman-like, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think more to come from her. She's still a little raw and she was first up and, as I keep saying, she wasn't really targeted for the race early on because she was a late nomination. I think they were going to wait for another week or two with her. So it's a, a lovely starting point with her. I think there's more to come with these three-year-olds, though. You know, I think on paper we thought, yeah, they're a good little bunch here. Just just a little bit too close to finish for mine. And uh, okay. they could, could have run a little faster time. Uh, but you can only win, and she did it well. And uh, like I said, she's got more to come. We'll learn more about her next time. What about your opinion on the uh, the Rosebud Gator? Oh, look, no, I've got some grave concerns. Um, okay. As, as Duff said, they all sort of crossed the line together, and uh, time wasn't there. So, uh, But it was a moderate tempo, so they couldn't really smash the clock, I guess. And it's the level of upside that's the real key, isn't it? So how much... Um, how much they can continue to progress. But off that, they need to improve, I would have thought, um, to, uh, yeah, to be competitive at higher levels. Uh, Chris Roots, Tis Invincible, have you heard any information in relation to where some of these horses might be filtering through to? No, not really. But I just thought they went slow early and just blew hard, got, got home really hard, which, as Gator said, makes it hard to make that ground. So I thought, Cigar flick was really good from the back. I think she's, I think she's a nice filly going in the right directions. I think she could be the one you could take out of the race because I think Tis Invincible will be well found, and I don't think the two leaders are quite there. I think that's that's as good as they can go. So the ones going forward are the two fillies. I think the winner, Tis Invincible, but she's going to be asked to take short prices about her throughout the campaign. She's got a bit of a boom on her, but I thought Cigar flick was very good from back in the field. Had to make a long searching run and probably break thirty three home. You can give us a text on 0419767272. So maybe this question could have already been answered. Uh, there was a text here, no name on this one, but it says, Morning, boys. On Tis Invincible, uh, she has 58 kilos against the boys on Saturday. Missed the start. Gator, how did the time stack up relative to the other three-year-olds? And Ronnie, would you bring her back to the Princess Series or stay up against the boys for the Golden Rose? Cheers. So just from a, a general vibe of what both of you were saying... Um, you're you're a bit not concerned going forward, but the, you're not diving in and saying, "Yep, okay, here we go. This is our, you know, um, champion filly and and golden rose, you know, aspirin, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Yeah, well, look, it's early days. You know, I, I want to see her at twelve hundred first, which I think she might be better where she can get travelling and get into a rhythm and she'll be fitter. And um, yeah, I, look, I'm not I'm not saying she's out of play as far as featuring in the big races. It's just I want to have another look at her and I want to see a few more, uh, a few more of these other horses resume with the big guns. So, you know, you, there's some big guns around. Shinzo tried well the other day and, and we've still got a, a little bit more to offer. I thought, you know, I was, I was waiting for Red Resistance. I thought he was a, a little bit disappointing in that first trial, so we'll have another look at him. But there's others there, that have, and there might be a new name on the block, uh, you know, come three weeks' time. But as far as... I, I think Gator would agree with the times. You know, they didn't run time. Look, look, look at this horse in the last Smashing Eagle. Mm. Um, he's a benchmark 62 horse going into it or something. And he, he, he's, he smashed the time. And he's come from back in the field and just sizzled home. And uh, then you've got that horse, Garza Blanca, who is a horse to follow. Uh, who was? We all saw what happened there. I, you know, the, the last race really well. I would think Gator would agree. Smashed the the rosebud as far as the times concerned, and that's a benchmark seventy eight. Gator, 
Yeah, no, exactly. He summed it up uh, exactly the same way. So the first thing I looked at was that relative time on on the day. And, yeah, obviously they went quicker early, which allowed them to run significantly quicker time. But five lengths is a lot. Um, but I think the Quinella are way above average. I think Garza Blanca um, probably should have won. It was interesting, wasn't it? Like Smashing Eagle went from three lengths behind it to two lengths in front of it <laughs> while it was held up. So... But he had a full head of steam, the winner, and he, he'd been flying and again ran some of the best sectionals of the day. So he's obviously a good horse, but I think if you're on Gaza Blanca, you can consider yourself unlucky. Mm, it was, it was uh, wasn't it the last race, the first race, uh, a case of uh, Tyler, you know, uh, getting that momentum and, and out and rolling and obviously having the horse to do it and uh, James sort of having uh, to weave a passage. There's a couple of texts here about the first race, uh, Ronnie, obviously Kintyre up and rolling. Um, and uh, the favourite uh, just getting in a, an awkward position. Yep, that was it. As simple as that. He just um, had nowhere to go. He can't go over the top of them. Frustrating if you backed him. Whether there is a certainty beat, I don't know. I still would have liked to see him charge past Rockabilly Rebel late. Um, look, I'm a big fan of the horse. I want to see him at 1,400 where he, he can get out and wind up like he did at Ramwick in his previous start. So not penning him. And Kintai's an improver, but um, he, he should have gone close. We all know that. We all know that. With even luck, he should have gone close. And I, I, I want to give him another chance for sure. Chris? Yeah, he was, he, he was in a roadblock there for, what, most of the straight to about the 150-metre mark. So he just had no no luck at all. I, I thought it thought out of the Gaza Blanca race and the Smashing Eagle race, I thought Molly Niles was pretty good. I think... It's a horse that I think Matt Dale would love to get into a Kosciuszko. Mm. Now it was back with it was back with Smashing Eagle. It didn't. It went to follow Garza Blanket through, and then realised it was going nowhere, and then flicked across three three horses' heels, got to the outside, ran in the third. Molly Burke's going pretty well in Sydney. She's joined John O'Shea. I think she's going to be a pretty handy three kilo apprentice in, in town. I think this horse uh, out of that race, the other two are going to be well found. I think Molly Niles might be one to follow. With your thoughts on the the uh, the first uh, gator, how do, how do you assess the favourite? Uh, obviously, just that little bit tardy away, and James kicked up on the inside. Yeah, look, um, look, I'm I'm in the should have won camp, but um, but you know, respectful of all opinions, it's not a hill I want to die on either. But um, you know, uh, just being uh, so badly strung up at such a vital stage, had to wait for the winner to go. Similar to as you say, similar to the last race, the bookend. Um, was only probably fully clear at the 200. It's generally just not enough time, you know, to, to, to make that ground up. And um, But anyway, uh, look, he, he's, he's the horse I'd take out of the race. I think a lot of us would. Um, but they've actually run, you know, a useful enough sort of time off, off, a, off a solid enough clip. So, um, yeah, they look above average. Uh, what level they can get to, it's all going to come down to the level of improvement similar to the the Rosebud Field. She's pretty, uh, she's been a good man now, Mullover, um, obviously throwing, as we know, Fireburn. Gary said that to Greg Radley on Sky Thoroughbred Central on Saturday, that uh, she's going good, the big sister. But, um, and even from chatting with Gary last week, and he mentioned this, uh, he said, I took this horse to Newcastle, thinking I was going to win, uh, and got rolled there by the great Houdini. And he said, on that occasion, it was 310 out to 420, and there was alarm bells. They came for this horse late, though, Duff. Um, what was it, 13 to 8.50 late? Yep, was very well speculated in betting there. It was the only one they spec to really beat the favourite where the, the, 
the little pumper they got that right. He, he was unlayable late. Um, he, he got right out in the market to, I think he ran around $6 at the finish there after was vying for favouritism at some stage during the week. So, um, yep, they got it right, a few of the, the punters that saved on, on kin time because they collected. What about uh, the run of Alentia? Very, very impressive. A few texts here about it. Uh, obviously, very confidently ridden by James Duff. Very confidently. Yeah, win of the day for mine. Win of the day. Just so arrogant. When you see horses sit back in the field and just pick them up in three strides and put pay to them, and she's first up with improvement to come. I know it wasn't a strong race, uh, but, uh, yeah, she's, she's, a, uh, she's a good mare in the making. You don't have a record like hers unless you're, you're pretty good. Certainly. Uh, Gator, what did uh, the clock say? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Look, she's the winner of the day in my very humble. But, you know, I'm, I'm all for democracy. There were plenty of votes on my little poll, which is a bit of fun for the others. And, and I respect all opinions. But uh, if you're asking me, and it sounds like you are, um, she was the winner of the day across the country and... Yeah, and and by a considerable margin. Uh, third quickest, last two, 400 of the 200 of the meeting in a fast run race. Uh, the acceleration, that's what separates mm. the good from the average. And it was brilliant acceleration. You know, I think the ride was fine. You know, I think we overrate riders sometimes. The equine athlete was the star of that race. The way she uh, just circled them, sprinted quickly, put it to the to the bed, uh, put it to, to the sword, um, last 600, some 11 lengths above average. And she did it with 58 kilos as a new season four-year-old against older horses. Yeah. Obviously, that race created a lot of chat um, leading into it because we had J-Mac riding two horses. Uh, we had um, a lot of discussion on social media. Chris, can you explain to some of our punters, obviously, there'd be a fair few that know the rule or the rules, but how, how does this work? for those that don't know. So obviously if I'm a horse trainer, I can have two horses nominated for a race, I can put two how does it how does it work, mate? So this is a different this is a different situation to having a dual dual nom where the same horses nommed in two races. But Chris declared James on both horses, so obviously only one was gonna run. So in the end it's it's up to Chris he can have right up to 7.30 in that situation to, to make the decision on which one's going to run and which one's going to stay at home. And that's what he did. So I think a lot of punters are disappointed that they're, they're sitting there with 33% going to come out of the market when they're betting from Wednesday. Um, no matter which one comes out, you're going to take a huge chunk out of, out of, um, out of betting. So that pre-post betting becomes uh, less of a... Less, less of a um, option for most people so that 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 um doesn't that sort of costs a little bit of turnover but in the end most of turnover done in the last 30 minutes so you, you know it's people who want to bet early and and take take a price um i was listening to this denise martin on radio um in brisbane yesterday and she basically said um it almost sounded like it was a little bit of surprise Alenti was there extremely lucky wasn't ready so she was the fallback position so it was a very good win. James Radar, like yeah, he was on he was on a Group One horse and and just sat back. I know the the quality behind her is winter quality, but she she come out and she smashed them. She smashed the clock. Denise Martin also said she she started a career in Brisbane, which I think sometimes um, gives you the idea that's on the second run of horses. But 
the idea with her, her starting her career in Queensland was they were getting her ready for the Magic Millions. So that's they've always had this huge opinion of her, and they wanted to start her off in Brisbane, get her through her grades, uh, and get her um, up up in the ratings so they could get into a Magic Millions. So she's always had a rap on her. She's now showing it in Sydney, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more of us going towards maybe a Epson and a Golden Eagle. Is there, is there any word on extremely lucky in terms? Because I did see on social media that, uh, and I mean you can't believe everything you read on social media that the, he might have had a a slight issue on Saturday morning. Um, has that been confirmed? Because I can't find anything on uh, anywhere. Yep, yep. but uh, yeah, you get uh, you get carried away with the trolls on social media, you know, say, thinking there's something untoward happening, because Chris did come out and say, you know, Alentia uh, would be scratched and probably be scratched and probably run extremely lucky. But some people don't understand what the process of going into a race day, you know, concerns. You get up, you get there Saturday morning, you, you, I'm sure Chris Waller would take all his horses' temperature, which they um, they can, they'd look at the makeup of the race, the speed maps, and apparently this horse had, had been, they must scope them as well. There's some mucus. Uh, yeah, a little bit of mucus on the scope. So he, he just, he wasn't right. He needed another week. So I don't see what the big blow-up is. Everyone, you know, throwing the toys out of the cot because they thought Extremely Lucky was going to run. All I can say, they're extremely lucky that he, they, they both didn't run because they would have done their money. Yeah, I tell you what, um, he's an exciting horse, though, um, after that last trial. So wherever he does go, look out. Uh, he's, yeah. it's, look, you know, we, we talk about... Um, you know, changing of guards and whatnot. And I'm not talking big, big races here, but, geez, um, I think they're going to be two horses we can follow, both Alentia and Extremely Lucky, when we do see them at the races, Chris. Yeah, and just on Duff's point, so Chris's, Chris's protocols in the morning, uh, he, he's got a, a system where every horse gets its temperature taken every day. So any minute changes are monitored and can be seen. Now, this, this horse probably spiked a little bit of a temperature on race morning. They said, well, we've got the full-back position. We'll go with the Lentia's ready to go. We'll put her out, then have a little scope, find, find the mucus. I wouldn't think they would scope before a race. Um, find the mucus. Um, probably being treated now, so um, maybe seven days and 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 find another race for him. He, he's, he's an ex- I know people are very excited about him and he's trialled well, but, you know, Chainers have these options, and if while the rules aren't, aren't as tight, that tight, they will play the rules right up until the uh, to to where 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 they're able to. So it took um, with the dual acceptors. We now have dual acceptors have to be scratched on Wednesday afternoon, and but you can dual accept in two states and not scratch till um, whenever you want. So that's something that's got to be tightened up, but. With the with the these bigger stables, they're going to have a couple of runners in races, and they and obviously they booked James McDonald, and he was going to be on. He, he wanted to be on both, so they they were never going to run both. So everyone knew that. And one of these interesting ones, uh, Duff, from a just a, a betting point of view, which I've been just watching, that uh, obviously was two forty nop, got the two ninety, and then pretty much with that two minute mark, um, or just before you went to Timmy Ryan. Everywhere went bang on the exchange. Uh, it just lit up. Like if you're watching Dynamic Odds, it just lit up across the board. So they just wanted to go bang on Alentia late and it got back into that sort of 260, 250. Some places was even shorter. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those ones that just sort of let it drift, let it drift, let it drift, let it drift. We'll nibble at a few other things and then bang, we go late. Well, 
a, a similar thing to a, a better example is the last uh, Gaza Blanca. He was um, dollar ninety, dollar ninety, dollar ninety. Um, that was his starting price. Uh, as they left the barrier and went a hundred yards, he was a dollar fifty on every tote. Yeah, uh, the winner went from four sixty to six dollars plus on every tote. So they must have loved Gaza Blanca in the last. It, it was a, a hidden huge go. Hundred um, percent. Give us a call thirteen fifty three fifty three. We're going to take a quick break. Get involved with the conversation. We're going to uh, continue our discussion with Ron Doversy, Chris Roots, and David Gately on punters post mortem. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and punters post mortem. Certainly are, and you're with Ron Doversy, Chris Roots, and David Gately. Give us a call on 133353 53 or the text line 0419-767-272. Let's talk about um, the performance of uh, Freedom Rally uh, Duff. Now, really interesting this race because he was um, widely tipped as as being a good thing, Freedom Rally, from what we'd seen there at Eagle Farm. Chorton Lane back to the trials. If you didn't hear David Eustace during the week, I said, I'm going to try and have him on uh, most weeks leading through the spring here on HQ. He said uh, he gave us two at Bendigo last week to follow. One was uh, an $11 winner. Mind you, it was 488 to 11, but he said this is a nice first starter. The other one uh, got the chocolates. And he also said, I'm really expecting Chorlton Lane to perform well after that trial and the shades going back on. Um, and it was exactly what he predicted and what the market didn't predict. Well, he's definitely a good judge. Um, we're going to terrorise him from the rest of the spring. There's no doubt about yes. that. Um, I, he, won't I had him... he won't tip a winner now. <laughs> no, no, no. He, I had him on Saturday morning as well, and he's more or less said the same thing, and he answered every question right and positive, very positive with Tiz Invincible and Chorlton Lane. And I said, oh, anything in Melbourne? He said, I oh, know floating artists to win. They had the, the short price favourite there, Flash Flood. Flooding artists has gone straight past it around mm. 5.50. So he's, he knows his horse as well. But Chorlton Lane's a good horse, I think. But maybe more next year than this year. I think he, yeah, I don't know how far he's going to go this prep. But I don't think the pennies drop with him. Just listening and watching the horse and to do what he did at his first start in Australia. I know it was only a midweek to pick him up coming from well back. And just even Jason Collett's got a... Uh, he, he even lifts his voice when he talks about the horse. So I think all positive with that horse moving forward in his career more so than into the spring. I think the little steps that might be best for him. But, um, yeah, he, he's, he's a very nice horse. Freedom Rally... I just don't think he was himself. Um, he may be a horse that needs cover and relaxes a bit better. He wanted to get on one rein and didn't go and didn't want to go straight. So maybe a little niggling problem with him. I don't, uh, he's obviously better than what we saw there on Saturday. All right, Gator. What about the data to come out of the race? Uh, the Chorton Lane race. Um, yeah, he, he, what he did do first up was run a, a last six hundred of real. Uh, substance, um, you know, I think a lot of us were keen on him second up, but he didn't have that same acceleration. Uh, but that can happen, can't it? Second up for for a lot of equine athletes. And on uh, Saturday, even though he was coming back in trip, and that was my little concern, um, he was able to sit off a good solid speed, uh, run a, a strong last six hundred figure again, thirty three eight, had about six lengths above average overall time, some four lengths above. So. 
a lot, uh, a lot to like about the win. The one he beat, Green Shadows, is no slouch and had uh, a similar task as him. Um, I just think that um, we just didn't get a great guide, uh, given Freedom Rally clearly um, underperformed. Uh, it would have been an interesting um, uh, match uh, race had uh, had that uh, well-backed Freedom Rally run to his previous sort of sort of figures. You're speaking of horses that didn't uh, didn't see themselves, called I similar one. Um, just from hearing the uh, the Channel Sky Thoroughbred Central before the race, um, Gerald wasn't happy in the yard with called I. Yeah. No, no, he was not, and that was a good push for the punters just to ease off a little bit there. And talking about good judges, you know, we're talking about David Eustace. Gerald's a great judge in his own right. And he said Saturday morning, you know, you know, I'm going to go forward with her. He was very open. I was happy with that. And um, I said, what's your best? He said, oh, no, no, she's not the best. Um, Smashing Eagle's the best in the last. So he was, he was proven pretty well correct there as well. Um, yep, called I will improve. She looked a bit uh, hot in the yard. And then when we got the tick off from Gerald, no, that's not her. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. That's not her. She, she's usually lovely and relaxed. She still went well. It was a typical case of probably a very slow race turned into a little bit faster race and she just left a, a little bit lamenting late but don't sack her off that and, and she's a big parade watch next time and interesting Gerald's comments uh, you know that he was concerned after parading and suggested he should have given her a drive in the float as she knew she was at home yeah that's an old trick um, they used to do that Around when I was the block. Apprentice. yeah uh, Bart Cummings used to do that a lot if they get nervous and not trip, uh, don't have a trip away they get a bit excited and want to play up all day so some horses go around the block twice and drive in drive in from the Ramwick stables and they think they've had a trip away and it just calms them down a little bit it's strange uh, but it seems to work mm. uh, what about uh, uh, Chris the win of Pericles mate this uh, Madame Pomery Pericles race was a beauty. Um, this tab handicap, it was the second last. Two horses that are going to really go on and have a good spring, I think. Yeah, and Pericles was very well found where Madame Promery wasn't, didn't have the market expectation of um, the favourite. The favourite did a great job, but geez, you take her going forward. She's, she looks like she's back, but she might just be a spring horse and um, thought she was very good. Did it still wasn't too bad in front, but the other two clearly stood out, put gap put gaps in them they put and I think uh Glenn Silver put a bit of a gap in the rest of them. So uh very good race going forward. Called the spring preview, I think we can take both the first and second horse forward into the spring with some confidence. Another Godolphin horse gator that was uh, very good. Uh, the winner of the last down there, Damien Lane on board. Um Pirelli. Uh we got our money back after burning at the start before. Yeah, well he was the run of the day at the start before, you know, in, again just in my humble like savaging the line against the pattern of the day. Gee, it's funny how many of them come out and win. Um, just my brain goes back to Divine Madonna and a million between her and and this one. <laughs> uh, and it'll keep happening too, so if you want to win money. Um, yeah, he was dominant. Like, he didn't beat anything again. Like, that race he ran in last out at the Valley was, was awful. This was a bit better than awful, but still, let's say disgraceful uh, for Saturday racing. But, um, look, what he has done is turn the corner, I think. Um, he started favourite in every single run he's had. Um, so there's that expectation. Well, that's not his fault. Uh, but his last two at 1,200 metres, uh, again, relative to the oppositions, I have to factor that in. But uh, he's, he's actually been able to sustain a run. And what he'd been doing earlier is Chris, short, sharp sprints, then knocking up a bit. 
Um, but now he seems to have a bit more substance, a bit more strength to him uh, with the way he finds the line. Uh, why do you think that uh, that meeting was the way it was, Gator, in terms of its noms, etc.? Just That's oh, just how it was? Yeah, look, there just aren't enough good horses yet. You know, mm. we're, we're only seven days away from a vein stake for Lawrence um, and off the early noms. I'm really excited about Saturday. But this happens most years, uh, this meeting or two before the start of the spring, just catching those winter horses, trying to win money. Um, if you're an owner, absolutely targeting uh, these sort of races uh, for some, you know, very uh, great prize money, um, and the uh, the ratings band of all the races gives you a chance. I mean, I don't remember as a as a young uh, person following the sport having pretty much all benchmarks seventy and seventy eight on a Saturday, but that's the way it's evolved, and we'll play with the cards we're dealt. Yeah, um, interesting too. The performance of uh, Sweet Ride. Uh, there, I'm really surprised Omni Man took a sit. Oh. Um, what's doing is is guy getting this sit for the Jericho. What's why is this horse taking a sit? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't think she'd be very impressed with it. No, you know, don't you know how to might ride my horses? Go forward. Uh, <laughs> but Sweet Ride had good credentials there. That's he made, right. Back to a thousand, met him much better at the weights, and he'd uh, had a couple of runs under his belt. I look the. They were quite likeable, those two Sydney horses there. You could say Omni Man should have won. He might be a good little chance in the in the Moya or whatever it is um, coming up. Is it the Moya coming up, the sprint race there? He'll yeah, be, Moya. Yeah, he'll be hard to beat in that. Yeah. I just couldn't believe I mean, could you believe that happened, Gator? Um, look, uh, I think with Gate 1, um, uh, given by Race 9, we'd had a bit of rain and it was all, the defence was being avoided by most. Uh, Fair enough. Okay. So I just wonder if that was the mindset that we'll, okay. we'll just, yeah, we'll just snag a length, get off the rail and run him down. And look, he probably still wins if he doesn't race so tight at such a key stage as well. But um, uh, look, the winner came through the same race, as Duff said, had that three kilo weight swing and relative weights aren't everything, but science is real. So it's a, it's a, it's a factor. Um, and just having a, a clear air was probably the difference in a game of inches. The WA horse ran well, and Ashford yeah. Street ran well to just put a bit of dampener on the race for AVO overall. But, but he's a good little second-level sprinter, that, to that guy on wet ground. And don't worry about earpieces. What about the fifth with Ollie and Maximilius uh, giving us all a little fright? What was stopping quicker, Damien or Maximilius? <laughs> yeah, well, look, Maximilius was entitled to probably get a little bit 100%. tired. I mean... Yeah, he'd gone quick, like 8.3 lengths uh, above average first half, 34.59, and he pushed the button early. Uh, so Did I think the win had a bit of merit. Um, the runner-up was an absolute moral beaten, though, <laughs> recommendation. Yeah. Um, he was held up five or six lengths off the winner whilst the winner was sailing away. So um, anyway, you know, we live to fight another day. I'm just, I should do a poll who was the biggest moral beaten on the day out of he... Gaza Blanca and, and Cabela. So I'd be interested to see the result of that. Uh, yeah, very much so. You can, get in, you can get involved too. A couple of texts on the text line 0419 767 272. Uh, and also um, 135353 is the open line number. Now, just touching on it, because we touched on it last week, uh, but um, a lot happened during the week last week from a punter's perspective, Duff. And we've touched on. Uh, the thoughts of of other jurisdictions and and racing moving forward. What did what did you make as a punter and a lover of the sport? What was happening during the week? We all this discussion about um, earpieces and um, and and 
2020 and uh, in terms of like, you know, teams, uh, the races and, and just all the different thought bubbles that were popping up? What would you make of it? Um, yep, look, I think nothing of it, to tell you the truth, because I don't think it'll happen. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens when they come out, at least um, he come out and put his face forward there, is it Andrew Jones, during the week, and he, yep. he had plenty to say. So at least he, he went out there and brought the subject up instead of hiding in the office. So I'll give him that. Um, but as far as uh, a couple of the comments there, I, I wouldn't, you know, about he's not worried about the participants. I, don't, I won't even comment on that. No. Uh, funny, I had Will Friedman on the program last week. I said, Will, what would you go like with the earpiece? He said, mate, I don't think a jockey wants to hear what I'm saying or any of the Friedmans, what we're saying about jockeys mid-race um, as they're going on. Gator, what about yourself from a Victorian perspective um, and just as a general lover of our sport and whatnot? You've said about innovation and doing things on here, but a comment from you, please. Yeah, look, I don't think anything, any discussion uh, should be frowned upon. Um, I think the debate is really healthy in any de- democracy, isn't it? So um, throw up as many ideas as you want, you know, and I see the AFL all do it. And, and, you know, with their wildcard stuff, it costs nothing to have a chat about it. Um, and, you know, and, and denigrating people's opinion, I think, is, is a bit outdated. Um, so you have your opinion without... Uh, you know, abusing someone else or having one. But I think that the discussion is absolutely fine. Um, I, I do have some concerns around some of the vernacular and some of the, the comments I heard from people that have been in horse racing 20, 30, 40 years. So that's a long time to build a whole lot of knowledge. And I think if that's you and you feel like you're being disrespected, that is absolutely wrong. 100% wrong. You, you need to feel respected and your opinion valued um, if, you've, if, if you've been around the sport that long because you, you must know something and your, your opinion's valid. Chris, you've no doubt been following this story in the nine papers. It's, um, I mean, it's been I'm not assisting you, uh, you guys, in terms of uh, winter yarns because we've got good horses coming up, which we're going to talk about. But um, this story's been bubbling away for a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, I think God has got hit it on the head there. By picking certain people out and saying, we'll talk to these people and not talk to others, especially bigger stables, they made a massive mistake by having focus, small focus groups where in AFL, I think the discussion's done with all the clubs and all the major players. So what happened was people felt like they were left out, so they get upset and have and then push their opinion forward in other 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 spaces and it become it took it, it takes away from what we're about to go into the best um the best um time of year spring and they they had um Blake Shin won the um Scobie Breezley medal there on Saturday night isn't that something we should be celebrating more than talking about having um earpieces and jockeys and you know where where we're going Blake Blake's if you can if you can get a copy of Blake's um Speech after it was fantastic. He's the first jockey to win the Melbourne and Sydney premierships in the history of racing. Like there, there's something we could we could sell as a great story about racing, rather than try and rip ourselves apart from inside the sport. Like it seems every time racing seems like the best sport at giving itself black eyes and not just two, three or four at, uh, at a time. Is there any truth in the non-disclosure chat? Chris, that obviously there was non-disclo- there was definitely non-disclosures signed, and that's 
that's what's upset a lot of people. And being a journalist, like so, that's just just, to, to, just to give context, there because there'd be people listening to this that aren't sort of you know following the story along. So basically, Racing Victoria had a uh, what? Um, uh, they had some jockeys and trainers in a right. select group of jockeys and trainers, and asked and and briefed them and asked their opinion on it. Now, the fact they didn't have Godolphin, what Chris Waller in there, just shows you what what the thinking was, and I. You'd have to think that the reason that some of the, those those parties weren't involved is that they're involved with racing New South Wales and things like that. Now there's always talk of this war and things like that, and it always seems to be, oh, Peter's done this, Peter's done that. In this uh, case, Peter Volandis is sitting at home. He's just laughing, going, uh, watching watching this play out because when he when he has a chat, he doesn't ask the trainers to sign non-disclosure. He has his trainers in regular. They have trainers in regularly in New South Wales, and the trainers. Show the respect that that it needs to be shown, and don't go out and talk about it outside outside so what, outside media. What would the theory be then, from your perspective or from you chatting to people? Why would the non-disclosures have even been a thought process? Is it paranoia? Well, yeah, paranoia, and actually not trying to and trying to trying to control everything, every last bit, without having any respect, any respect, and. Getting someone to sign a non-disclosure means you don't trust them that they're not going to talk. Well, if you don't trust them, they're not going to talk. Why would you? Why would you even have them in the room? Sort of goes against what we were just talking about, though, Gator. In terms of uh, the democracy, you'd think that discussions like this you'd be wanting everyone to talk about. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not uh, an administrator. Um, I get a lot wrong uh, tipping horses, but um, my common sense brain, uh, what's left of it, um, agrees with you 100. percent you know, an open and honest uh, discussion, inclusive of everyone, is surely the yeah. only way to go in 2023 and in 1903 and in 1703 probably, but we just didn't know it back then. And I think, too... But like I said like I said last week, Dave, yeah. as soon as, you, as, soon as you, you start talking about that, every trainer's hut in Australia knows it. By within forty eight hours, the, mm. the industry, the industry, you, you don't keep secrets very well in this industry. Everyone knows everyone else's business, and when they and when they and when they find out, oh, there was non disclosures, there was this, there was that, they're going to be upset, and that's why a lot of people are upset by not by the idea and not by the discussion, but by the by being left out. Mm. I think too, uh, it's it's a great lesson um, for. Other jurisdictions that are watching this right across the country, every other jurisdiction, that um, your participants are key, um, and uh, that you know if you want to um, do things differently, uh, it's not maybe might not work in your favour. So uh, what's uh, it's not something that's just a, a matter of us sitting here going, well, you know, uh, putting the boot in down there. It's not even about that, really. It's more about that um, the industry as a whole, uh, from every single jurisdiction, I think, should be watching this closely. Uh, in regards to uh, the break, we might take a quick break. We'll get horses to follow coming up. You can get involved with the show, 13.53.53. Plenty of text on the text line, 0419 272. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It is 9.56 on the Sky Sports Radio. If you're uh, keen for our Monday's expert chat a little bit later on, I'm chatting with Richard Friedman, 
which will be a good little discussion at uh, around that 11 o'clock mark. We'll talk about Richard's career, life, what it's like training with his son and what's around the corner. So I'm looking forward to having a chat with Richard. He's always got something. Uh, it'll be a mini-series. Uh, yes, it will be. Part one. I hope you asked him about his time at the ATC on the other side of things. That's probably the best part of the time. Oh, I'll bring, should I bring up the tracks? What, what was it, the tracks and all sorts of things? I'll, I'll bring that up with Richard later on. We might have to have a mini-series. How many, how many episodes do you reckon I can get out of him, Duff? Oh, but you, get, you could get a month out of it. You start with his list of grievances. Well, that's what I might do. <laughs> I can see. That'll be, that'll be two episodes. I, I, well, we could do this. How would, actually, how would he change racing? He's got some good ideas, Richard. He is an ideas man. He has been an ideas man all his life. He's met some good ones too along the way. But uh, obviously, they all can't be good. But exactly, <laughs> I, I tell you what's fascinating too, boys. As I'm really close mates with with Will, and just watching the dynamic between those two, you sit there and have a coffee, and they might be talking about a particular horse. And obviously, Richard, as we know, not set in his ways, but he might have an opinion on where the horse should go or how the horse is being trained. And then Will's throwing his two cents in and. It's, uh, I tell you what, talk about a reality show. We talk about racing reality. Uh, maybe that's what we need to do. Sort of start following the cameras around with the trainers uh, and, and you'd, get some, you'd get some good information. I don't know what it'd be rated, but I tell you what, it would be some very good <laughs> information. It would be rated RRR. It would be very, very good. The, the Just be- some breaking news. Yes. Uh, Annabelle Neesham has decided to run Zaki in on Saturday. She wasn't going to. Right and Jamie Carr to ride, so there we go. Has she been cleared? Has she been cleared yet? Well, that's your job, Chris. Yeah, come on, Chris. What have you been doing? You've been playing golf all weekend, <laughs> mate. What have you been doing? Come on. She'll be. She'll be. Um, she'll have to do tests. I think she's doing tests today, so she's okay, got to pass well, those to be able to ride. Okay. That's what Annabelle said in, on Melbourne this morning. Melbourne anyway, Melbourne. Yeah. okay, perfect. So there we go. And uh, because the original plan was what the tramway. With yeah. Zaki, wasn't it? So, yeah. Wink Stakes, righto. Well, there we go. And looking at the futures market, Zaki now into $5 on the back of that. So, uh, this is a pre-noms market. Fangirl, 350 Zaki, 5 Lindemann, 6 Think it over at uh, 6 uh, I do know, Chris, you've Jeez, been on the... You're updating quicker than me. I've still... Oh, no, he is $5. You're yeah, right. $5. It just happened. Um, I know that you've been on the phone to Kerry Parker a lot, uh, Chris, and obviously great that Think It Over is back, and I think he's going to have a huge spring, this horse. Yeah, he, he, he's quite happy with him. He said he's still still saying, look, and this is a horseman coming through in Kerry who's, 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 in the, who's always got a good horse, and he knows how to, how to get them to their peak. And he's just saying, I just want to see him under race day pressure. I just want to see him under race day pressure. So which is, that's which where is it'll fair, come in. Which is which fair is, enough. Yeah. Jeez, yeah, uh, it'll he, be he, some he, sort of training performance if he wins this race. First up after such a long break with a bow tendon, it just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's, I think he's done a lot of work. I think he's been in the stable for a few, about three or four months. So he's, he's, really, he's really done everything possible to get him back. The other, other one, I, I believe Classic Legends back. Um, doing light work at Randwick too. Okay, there we go. I like it. Horses to follow, gents. I'll start with you, Duff. Uh, look, um, Captain Obvious, um, Alentia and Garza, Garza Blanca. One out wide, not out wide, but I thought a hidden run on Saturday, even though he only beat a couple home, was this French horse, Capri de Gilles. Capri de Jour. I think he, well, last time I saw it, was, I thought it was some French cheese I had in France, but anyway... Caprice de Jure is one to follow, anyway. All right. Um, Gator? 
Yeah, no, Alentia, uh, yeah, I'm happy with the obvious. <laughs> Sometimes I overthink it, and that's every single day. Madame Pomery, excellent. Gaza Blanca, yep. And recommendation, uh, seat at the table for good thing licked, made the, the list as well. All right, and Chris, your horses to follow? I'll go away from the obvious. I'll, um, I think Molly Niles was very good. It can win a similar class race and maybe push for an, a Kosciuszko spot. And I thought Sagarflick was very good. I can't wait to see her step up. I'd say she'd be going to the Furious, as will the winner. All right. Uh, sensational, gents. Have a good week ahead. Uh, of course, we will have a all-in market for the Wink Stakes a little bit later on. That news, as we heard them, uh, just from uh, Ron Doversy on Melbourne Radio, Annabelle Nisham this morning suggesting that Zaki will be lining up in Saturday's Wink Stakes. So the market with Tab has Fangirl as a prenoms favourite at three fifty, Zaki at $5, Lindemann at $6, Think It Over at $6, Mwanga $8, and then you've got Alligator Blood, who is doubtful and won't be probably lining up at 11 in the prenoms market. Golden Mile at 11 and Ozapenko 11. The good horses are back, gents. We'll catch you next week. See you, guys.